Hey, dear listener, Anthony here. Before we hop into the show, I wanted to let you know about an incredible new resource we just released, The Five Rules of Investing. Dan and I are huge advocates of modeling the behaviors of the people who have done what you hope to do. And who better to model when it comes to investing than legendary investors like Warren Buffett, Howard Marks, and Ray Dalio? This free ebook breaks down the simple time-tested strategies of billionaire real estate investors that you can use to take your investing to the next level. So head over to InvictusMultifamily.com and grab your ebook today. All right, now let's hop into the show. Welcome to Multifamily Investing Made Simple, the podcast where we take the complexity out of multifamily investing. And today we are going to be doing that in under 10 minutes, where we are going to be taking the complexity out of the concept of active versus passive. Anthony Vecino, my co-host, who I completely forgot to introduce. How you doing? Are you ready for this? I'm good. I'm buckled up. I'm ready, guys, because we're going to be speeding through this one and it's the law. Buckle right, up I'm a no seatbelt kind of guy. So I'm... Mm-hmm. Oh, you are? Oh, yeah, I really. really good. Really good. Um, what are the things on the steering wheel? Airbags. No, no. My car screams at me literally if I don't buckle in. So, uh, yeah, my, my car screams at you, too. Anyways, passive versus active for the people that came to learn something about real estate investing and not so much transportation safety. We're going to be talking about the difference between passive investing and active investing and the types of people or personalities that are going to jive with one or the other. Like the one of the most common questions new investors are going to have is, why should I passively invest, say, in this syndication when I could just go buy a property on my own? And that's a really good question. Everybody has to answer it for themselves. And there is no one size fits all. So, Dan, what kind of things should we be considering when we're first trying to answer this question? Uh, one of the first things you need to consider, uh, and if you listen to our content, you've heard it a million times before, but I don't care. I'm going to say it again. You've got to figure <laughs> out. This is our podcast. We're going to repeat ourselves. <laughs> You've got to figure out what your long-term goals are first and make sure that whatever you're doing aligns with those. So if your goal is to amass a portfolio of a thousand doors, you're probably going to be more active from the sounds of it. You have, you've got a goal of being a, uh, a guy that's running a real estate business from the sounds of it. If your goal is to supplement your retirement income with some kind of passive income that's not tied to the stock market, or you love the tax benefits and you love the the, the income potential, but you're not you know, super in love with, with uh, the idea of being a landlord or uh, 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 you know, an official owner of something, then you're probably more on the passive side. Um, so basically, you figure out where you're trying to end up and then work from there. That's kind of our rule of thumb. Exactly. And at the end of the day, this one's really, it comes down to asking yourselves, do you want a job or do you love the job that you're currently doing? If you're in a job or in a career path that you love, you, you've spent years trying to become a doctor or a lawyer and you're doing that now and you absolutely love it, then you know maybe going active isn't going to be the right solution for you because being an active investor is very much like taking on a new job. The amount of hours that you need to put in learning and mastering the craft, the relationships that you have to build, they take a lot of time and you're going to be investing a lot of your time and energy to getting that new career built out. And so if that's something that you want to do, great. That's awesome. If you're discontent with your current W-2, you're not seeing a, a career path forward, then being active can really accelerate that, can be a great option. But if you're in a, p- a position where you like what you do, 
and you don't really want to leave it, well, then passive investing is going to be a better solution for you probably long term because you can benefit in all the same ways that an active investor would by participating, say, in a syndication. You can get the cash flow, you can get the appreciation, you can get the tax benefits, you can get all that, but you don't have to put in any of the work. Instead, all you could do is just refundling your, your retirement accounts or your, your investment accounts over into this different asset. And that's much more hands off. And so that's the first question. Do you like your job? Do you want a new one? Yeah, and then specifically, do you like uh, the job of being a uh, an owner and an operator? Because it's not easy, um, and you have to be kind of a specific type of person who really gets energized by challenges and lots of little fires that always need to be put out. And it's it's not easy. It's not mailbox money uh, if you're the only one on your team. But if you're invested alongside other people, it definitely is. Uh, but if you're a one man show or one woman show, then it is far from passive. So yeah, definitely need to nail that down. If you hear the term toilets, tenants, and trash, and you kind of die a little bit inside, maybe active isn't for you. But if you hear tenants, toilets, trash, and you're like, okay, I can deal with that. I can deal with tenants because you're going to be dealing with them. If you can deal with their trash, if you can deal with the toilets that break in the middle of the night and all the headache that goes with all that stuff, then yeah, sure. Active investing can be really powerful. And yes, you can generate more probably in the short term in returns. You can you know make a ton of money doing this, but you're also putting in a lot of time, a lot of energy, and you have to build that experience. And that's really what the deals come down to, right? Like every deal needs three things. It needs time, experience, and money. And one of the problems is if you go active, you might not have all three of those things. And that's okay if you surround yourself with partners who do, but it's the thing that you have to really consider when you're a passive investor. All you need to do is come to the table with one of those things. And that's that's a much lower barrier to entry. Yeah, and the other elephant in the room we haven't addressed yet is uh, risk. Uh, there's a significant difference in the risk profile between an active operator and a passive investor. It's significantly lower risk for a passive investor. Uh, and that's worth noting as well. If you were to go out and buy a property on your own, let's say it's a you know $5 million apartment building. If you go out and get that on your own, you're going to be signing on that you know $4 million loan. So if the deal goes south, that's you holding the bag there. If you're a passive investor on that exact same deal, you might be putting the money in the money that you're putting in might be at risk, but you're not on the hook for the debt or anything like that. And if someone sues the property because of some kind of management issue, it's not going to you know, impact you on a personal level. Like your personal assets are not tied up in this or anything like that. So that's, that's a pretty significant difference there because a lot of the operators, even if they are the ones signing on the $4 million loan, they're not putting in that much capital, right? They might put in hundred, maybe five hundred thousand dollars, maybe a million or something like that. But they're taking four million dollars worth of risk there on behalf of everybody else, and uh, that's a big piece that I think a lot of people neglect when they're comparing the two. Yeah, and and tying into that too is the idea of diversification. One of the difficulties of being an active investor is the fact that you know for us we're vertically integrated here in the Twin Cities, and so we're kind of limited to working here in the Twin Cities. And we don't have options of, you know, chasing the next hot market if we want to go down to Austin or Nashville. We can't really do that. Whereas a passive investor has the ability to do that much easier. You can diversify across different geographies, across different operators, and across different asset classes. And that asset classes is a really tough one, even for, for us. Like, our niche is multifamily. We know our lane, and we tend to stay in it. But we look across, and we can see mobile home parks and storage units. Like, that. those are really great investment opportunities as well. But it's not as easy for us to make a lateral move into those markets as easily as a passive investor would. Zero. Yeah. Zero experience in storage. 
last piece is I also want to note that this isn't necessarily a, a binary concept either. It's not, you know, active or passive only. There's a continuum of options in between there where you could find yourself in kind of a hybrid position where you are more active than the passive investors. Uh, you're participating in some degree on the general partnership side, but you're not doing everything. And that's what's great about these uh, types of deals that we do is you can uh, collaborate with different partners and different skill sets to kind of form the ideal team that you need. And so you don't necessarily need to wear every hat if you're active. You can kind of pick and choose which active portions you want to participate in. Some of them aren't as active as others. We can get into that in another episode, but just know that it's not binary. If you have a good relationship with operators out there, you can have that conversation of, hey, are there any things that you need on your team that I can help you provide, whether it's a networking thing, it's cash capital. It's uh, maybe you're a, a wealthy individual with a really great looking balance sheet and you can participate by helping bolster the general partnerships balance sheet, balance sheet, balance sheet with respect to the, the bank they're working with. So there's a bunch of different ways you can kind of get your uh, peek under the hood and, and get, get in the mix without being the guy that's doing every little thing. Yeah, that's actually a really great nuance to end on. And so this is a bigger conversation. We've talked about it more in depth in some longer episodes. So go back and take a look at those. But before you guys take off, make sure that you go over to iTunes and you leave a five-star review. It helps us so very much. It gives us great feedback. We appreciate it so much. I want to give a big shout out to Taylor Sue. Coop? Sue. I'm not actually sure how to say your last name, Taylor, but you left a review the other day and really appreciate it. So until next time, guys, uh, be well. Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Multifamily Investing Made Simple. If you enjoyed the show, could you do us a massive favor? Head over to iTunes and leave a five-star rating and review. Your feedback, it means the world to us as it helps us grow and spread the word about multifamily investing. And don't forget, sharing is caring. So fire this episode over to any friends or family who you think could benefit from learning all about multifamily investing. Thanks, guys. We appreciate every single one of you, and we'll see you on the next show.